So hello, this is Minter Dial on the Minter Dialogue Show, and I have with me a representative of Bizarre Voice, Jonathan Wolf. Uh, Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit about your background, please? Sure. Well, I've been at Bizarre Voice for about four years, and uh, that's been worldwide. I was worked in our global headquarters in Austin, Texas, and uh, now I'm based in our London office. Prior to that, I spent five years at the web analytics company Cormetrics, analyzing terabytes and terabytes of client data. Still an interesting part of the business. And so what do you exactly does Bizarre Voice do? Sure. So Bizarre Voice, we call ourselves a social commerce provider. And that means that we're helping our clients bring customer conversation to their own websites and then broadcast that out into their social presence across the social web. So very simple example are things like online retailers capturing customer reviews, but then it can bring it can range as broadly as um, uh, online financial services companies asking their customers to talk about how their small business loan has impacted their life. So you put the social or the conversation into commerce. That's exactly right. And for us, the commerce side of it means that even if there's not a transactional element directly, this social component has to be driving a measurable result. So I, I hate the concept of social for social's sake. Right, well, you, so you have a lot of ROI and your key metrics are in there. Indeed, and I mentioned that I came from Cormetrics. Our founder, a guy called Brett Hurt, actually was the founder of Cormetrics as well. So we have, uh, we literally have analytics in our DNA at Bizarre Voice. So analytics in the family. All right, so and what exactly do you do at Bizarre Voice, Jonathan? Sure, so I'm in a role called the product strategist, and my responsibility is ensuring that as social innovates, that we, Bizarre Voice, are innovating as well, and not just in any random direction, but again, in a way that's going to drive measurable results for our clients. So one of the Big topics everyone wants to know now is what role should we as a brand be playing in Facebook? I meet with clients, prospective clients, and then with our own product team to make sure that we're offering a valuable answer to that question. So I know you have a lot of, uh, you, you're innovating all the time. Your product development, you're based in London. Where is product development actually done for Bizarbos? Sure, it's based in Austin, Texas. So the bulk of our product team and then our, our actual engineering team as well are in Austin. So we have about 100 um, team members in, in the R&D function in aggregate, and that lets us innovate very quickly. So we're rolling out a new product release every eight weeks, which is a great place to be in a very nascent space like social. And presumably it means a lot of late night talks with Austin, Texas based in London. <laughs> it does indeed. I'm very happy for Skype and other uh, such feature or such uh, technologies. I think it would have been much harder if I lived in London 10 years ago. Bizarre Voice is mostly uh, doing the social uh, rating, ratings and reviews on e-commerce. Speak to the other components. How much, first of all, is it in e-commerce? If you will, how many of your clients are using e-commerce and how many doing other things? Can you talk about the other parts of the business? Sure. So I, I think within e-commerce, well, our, our background was in online retail, and our, our first set of clients were all online retailers who had customer reviews or other customer content living directly on their product pages, helping a customer actually push that ad to basket button and convert right there. And I think now with online retail, this has become ubiquitous. And I think we'd all have a hard time imagining an online retailer selling TVs that doesn't offer customer reviews right there in the page. But what we've started to see really over the last 18 months or so is that there's a role for manufacturers and brands like Procter & Gamble is a large client of ours, a role for travel sites, a role for financial services companies in this social realm as well. And what we're finding is that there's the fundamental human component of wanting to understand authentic feedback from our peers in any of these types of purchase decisions, even if the actual transaction, so to speak, may not happen directly there online.
still brick and mortar. So where do you see the real growth? Is it in Bizarre Voice on e-commerce or in Bizarre Voice on the other side of the business, or at least non-transactional related sites? That's a good question. Well, we'd like to think it's in both. Um, so uh, with our existing customers and, and in that, that historical sweet spot of online retail, we continue to add new modules and new features that our clients can take advantage of. So we continue to work more and more deeply with our online retail customers. But then a big area of, of focus and investment for us now is, I'll pick one in particular, is financial services. So we have a team now dedicated to completely cracking the code on the right role for social with an online bank. And I, I was speaking with an online bank yesterday who was talking about how, well, people want, we're a bank. People want us to be a bank online. They don't want us to be a customer reviews site. And I think there's, there's some truth to that, that there's a, a right role that we expect our bank to play that may be different than what we expect our favorite electronics retailer to play. Being based in London, you're certainly at the heart of financial services in the world. So um, I, I heard uh, this morning uh, Gonzalo speaking that uh, moderation is the key to success for Bizarre Voice. Can you talk to us exactly how you manage that and specifically how you manage negative comments? Sure. So worldwide, we have about 200 human moderators who read across them, read every piece of content that gets submitted across any of our clients. We moderate in 26 different languages, all by native speakers. And what we're looking for at the highest level is relevance and appropriateness. So on the relevance side, if we have a, this is a customer review on a particular television, well, first and foremost, is it actually a customer review on a television? Is it a service complaint about the man in the shop, or is it somebody just talking about how it was a sunny day that day and that made them happy. On the appropriateness side, we're looking for things like, is this the type of comment that a bricks and mortar shop would let you stand on their floor and tell customers as they walk by? So you're allowed to be negative, but you're not allowed to be inappropriate. You can't say discriminatory things. You can't suggest to customers to go buy this same product at some other shop online. So when it comes to negative content, well, there's two things. When it comes to negative content, we find that negative reviews are often the best content. And that's true for both potential customers. So if you think of your own shopping experience, looking at reviews, trying to make a decision, let's say on a television, one of the very common things we've seen in the data is that the first thing users do is they sort to see the one-star reviews first. And what we found is they're not doing that to dissuade themselves from making the purchase. They're doing it to discount those one-star reviews. They say, oh, this, is a, a, um, this customer had a problem with this not being very kid-friendly. Well, I don't have any children, so I don't care about that, and I'll move forward and make the purchase. And then we've also found that those one-star reviews are, are insight gold for our clients themselves. Right? It, it, what we're finding is that this customer conversation on the site is the new focus group. It's this 24 by 7 focus group. You don't have to hire them. You don't have to get people to fill out the forms. You're getting that authentic feedback on what customers like and what they don't like. All right, so if I'm a brand, though, I still get a choice to whether I want to just uh, delete the comment myself, right? Well, technologically, yes. What we don't allow, well, one, from an ethical standpoint, we do not allow any editing of reviews. That's neither by Bizarre Voice ourselves nor by our clients. So you, choose, you as the client have to choose that this is a review I like or I don't. There's no correcting grammar. There's no removing the perfect but dot, dot, dot. You take those customer contents, uh, comments as they are. Now, when it comes to suppressing negative content, technologically, our clients can pull down any review that they want, but we push very, very strongly to keep that conversation 
as long as it's appropriate to keep that conversation on the site, even if it's negative. And what we've actually found is that from a results standpoint, negative reviews, the presence of negative reviews actually increase conversion on the site because they become more trusted. Customers know you're not suppressing all the negative comments. Yeah, it qualifies the good news as well. Exactly right. So um, with regard to um, anonymity, uh, what's, your, what's a bizarre voice position or yours, Jonathan, with regard to uh, having anonymous reviews and ratings? Well, our, our um, suggestion to all of our clients is to ask customers to log in when they're posting content. And what we found is that hasn't impacted the authenticity of the content at all. People don't feel discouraged from writing negative reviews. On the contrary, if a product is a bad product, we see flocks of people putting their name next to a one-star review. But what we do find is when you ask customers to log in, you greatly decrease the spam content. You decrease the vacuous content. So customers, there is a, a, a source of pride for a customer to log in and give this review attached to who they are as a web personality. We're also experimenting now with connecting to my Facebook identity to make it even less uh, less anonymous, where now not only is it my nickname and my profile, it's attached to Jonathan Wolf, the human being. And so we're seeing some very positive signs there that customers are willing to share their personal brand with these reviews. At the same time, it's one click more or one step further to provide a review. So do you have uh, feedback or numbers as to how often the drop-off happens because of that? Well, what we found is that the number one reason why customers write reviews is to be helpful to other customers, and we've seen this proven out time and again. Because of that, we found that customers are a bit more immune to some of the usability hurdles that they encounter elsewhere in the web. Because my primary goal here is to be helpful to other people, I'm willing to log into the site. I'm willing to answer some demographic, relevant demographic questions about myself because I want other customers to share from my knowledge. All right. And last question on Bizarre Voice. What is the Bizarre Voice point of difference compared to your competition? Sure. Well, I think it starts fundamentally at our business model. Our business model is a very traditional one. We're a, a software-as-a-service company. We have a subscription business model, but... We charge you for services. We provide services that return value in exchange. And that's it. Really, that's the only way that we make money. And from that, it, um, that drives our product strategy, that drives our services strategy. So everything that we do from a product standpoint and from a service standpoint is pushed in that same direction of driving return for our clients. Because frankly, if we're not driving return, you're going to take your business elsewhere. Now with our competitors, all of them have some sort of aggregation business model attached to this, this business as well. So with all of our competitors, they capture a review and they use the review as well as giving it to their client. They're trying to create some kind of portal and drive traffic that way, fundamentally they're competing against their own clients. With us, our clients are the exclusive owners of their content. So fundamentally where that, that puts us is from a product standpoint, we have a very predictable revenue stream. We're able to invest very heavily in R&D and stay at the forefront technologically. And because we have to drive that return for our customers, we have a very high-touch services model as well. So it's not just software that you install on your website. This is a program, and we're here to help you through it and make sure you see a return. So if I understand correctly, it's a 100% premium model. In other words, there's no freemium part of it. That's exactly right. And I think freemium has a role in certain areas of the, of the business, but here we're not talking about technology. This is fundamentally a new way to do business for these companies. And by being 100% paying, the expectations are higher, the chances of 
of getting alignment on the results at the end of the day are favorable. That's exactly right. We know that our most most successful clients are the ones that across the organization internally, from marketing, product, the executive team itself, the company's bought into using this customer conversation to improve the way, not just that we sell products online, but to improve the way that we actually interact with our customers. And we know that putting a little skin in the game is a great incentive to make that happen for our clients. It would be fun to bounce on that question. If you have, you have an example of a company where a, a whoopsie-doo rating came in and what happened uh, within the company and the organization, how did it react to that? I'm sure that you've had seen a few of those up close. Sure. Well, a great example is uh, from QVC in the UK. And they, it's, it's one of these classic stories where they were selling a product. It was an ice cream maker. And it cost, I believe, £12.50. They were selling a very high turnover of these. It was a nice high-margin product, and that's great. The only problem was when they launched customer reviews for it, it was a 1.3 out of 5-star product. So simply put, the problem was it didn't actually make edible ice cream that you could eat, and it broke the paddles off. It didn't work. So QVC got these reviews. They saw what the problem was, and, and they made one of those... In, I'd say in olden times of online retail, if you can use that, that phrase, they made an unconscionable decision. They stopped selling a bad product that was selling a lot. And, and QVC's attitude, and I think they're very progressive in, in this regard, their attitude is we are servicing our customer for, for their lives. We can sell them a bad product now and lose their business, or we know that we can do better as a brand we can stop selling this product and find a better ice cream maker. We, our clients are, are loaded with examples along those lines. They've improved products, they've gone back to their own manufacturers and, and changed the way products are manufactured, and then in some cases like this one, they simply stopped selling what turned out to be a bad product. So it's what you're saying, it's, a, it's, a, it's an in-live customer review system. Um, Jonathan Wolf, uh, last couple of questions. One is personal because my, my company is called The Mindset Branding Get Personal, so I always like to ask a personal question. I have friends come from Austin, you just moved from Austin to Tech to London. Uh, tell us about what, what was your first impression of moving to London. <laughs> sure. Well, first off, it's a lot colder in London than it is in Austin, Texas. Um, that's been a change. But one of the things that I was surprised about was, as an American moving to Europe, I was expecting to get a much more hostile response. And I found that it's actually just the opposite, that people are interested in what it's, the differences between living in the UK or living in Europe and living in the US. People have been very curious about what that experience has been like. Um, I've also found that people are much more friendly than I think that the Brits often get credit for. So I've been very, um, very happy with how welcoming everyone has been. And then one of the things that I've seen play out, and, and we saw this in, in our own data at Bizarre Voice as well, we did a, a, a comparative analysis um, a, about a year ago where we looked across all the reviews that we've captured for our U.S. clients and then all the ones that we've captured for our U.K. clients. And the, the debate was, are the Brits more or less negative than Americans? And all of us Americans said, oh, Americans are so much more positive. We're so much more optimistic. Reviews will definitely be more positive in the U.S. And what we found that was the, star, the average star rating in the U.K. was actually higher than the average star rating in the U.S. This is across hundreds of clients. So I, I've actually, now that I've moved here, I've actually seen that play out. The, the Brits actually are more optimistic, I think, than they even give themselves credit for. That comes as a surprise to me. Jonathan, thank you for sharing that. Listen, how can my uh, listeners uh, get in touch with you or reach you, follow you? Uh... Well, the easiest way to find me is either on LinkedIn, that's Jonathan Wolf. Also, you can very easily uh, email me at Bizarre Voice. My email address is a simple one. It's Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at BizarreVoice.com. Beautiful. Uh, Twitter address handle? 
I'll hold on to it for now. Email me and I'll, I'll give you the connection. That sounds good. Jonathan, thanks very much. Thank you, Mentor. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.